Welcome to Faith and Science. I'm Dr. John Ashton. Recently there was um, a headline, something in Australia here in the newspapers and media, uh, or a commentary, I, I should say, along the lines of uh, we need to get God out of the of the lodge, out of the Prime Minister's lodge. And it was a, a reference to the fact that um, in Australia at the moment, the Australian Prime Minister is um, um, an evangelical Christian. Um, and he's very open about his um, his faith in God. And, of course, these were uh, comments by, I presume, someone who wants a very secular government. And I thought it's, it's so interesting now that the uh, this whole concept of, well, you know, there is no God, we don't have to be accountable to God, um, is increasing in the in the community. Uh, uh, you know, as I think back when I was a, um, a child at least, that I, I guess most people, I got the impression that most people believed in God and, and feared God and, and realised that if they did bad things one day they would be accountable um, before God. And indeed, I think this is one of the main uh, things that, you know, helps people to, to do good things is to is this balance that, yeah, one day we, we are accountable for what we, for what we do. And um, as I look around the, the world now and read the news, you know, we see the, the conflict between good and evil is continuing. There's, you know, I, I think of the medical research, that is going on and the huge advances that we're making now in, in medicine to be able to save lives and and repair uh, people that have been damaged in accidents or by cruel diseases and, um, and finding treatments for disease. And yet at the same time, uh, we read about people that are um, you know, sort of thinking up all these new ways to uh, scam money out of uh, people and and trick people into giving their uh, getting uh, you know paying for things that don't exist and all this sort of thing, as well as all the fighting and cruelty um, that is going on around the world, and this you know this whole idea of um, a judgment, I guess, is unpleasant in many people's eyes. And, of course, God doesn't really want us to choose to be in his kingdom uh, because we just want to escape the judgment. I think, um, really, God wants people in his kingdom that um, choose to be good people. They really, they really want to be in a place where there's love and peace and, and joy and beauty and all these you know, wonderful attributes that we see evidences of in the world at time, but we see, see this conflict. Now, I guess people are saying, well, hang on, this is a program supposed to be on faith and science. Where's the science coming into this? Well, it's interesting that the Bible records, of course, that several thousand years ago, people were really bad at that time too. And, and it's interesting that most of the cultures around the world have accounts of the flood, of the global flood uh, that we call Noah's flood. 
and that people at that time were very wicked and that this was the judgment of God on those uh, on those people to eliminate wickedness and that God started again with a family that believed in God, that trusted in God and, and started again. And uh, it's interesting as we read about this in the Bible in Genesis uh, chapter 7, we read, in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of heaven were open, and rain fell upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. But one of the things that interests me is this phrase, the fountains of the great deep burst forth. And we know there's a lot of underground water that um, is trapped, um, you know, underground. <laughs> and also, though, of course, in my mind, I think of um, of lava flows and um, and volcanic eruptions. And as I just walk around my local neighbourhood, there's um, areas, particularly on the coastline, there where we can see that. Um, Lava has come out between the rocks in the form of uh, dikes and in other places there are sills and, and so forth where the lava has flowed out horizontally. And, of course, I've been to places where there's been volcanoes. Uh, matter of fact, I'm not real keen on, on volcanoes, but I, I did go um, and, and do a volcano tour on the big island of Hawaii and um, and I've been back since and seen where lava has flowed out, uh, flowed up and destroyed one town, flowed across the roads and and so forth um, on the on the big island there. And just recently in the news, there's uh, been a massive uh, 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 volcanic eruption. I think it's in I think it was in Iceland. There's a volcano now with a lot of activity and a lot of lava flowing out. And one of the things that fascinates me is I remember too reading an account of in a lava flow there was a very well-preserved mould of a rhinoceros that was preserved in in extreme detail. So what had happened, obviously this lava must have been flowing very rapidly, trapped this rhinoceros, uh, buried it very quickly um, and... um, left a left a, a mold of the rhinoceros in, in quite great detail. And when I think about um, their volcanic uh, er, eruptions in the past, you know we we see like the vol- lava flows out of the different um, uh, volcanoes that have erupted, you know just recently in Europe, and in Iceland and and so forth, and a volcanic explosion that killed a number of people on White Island off the coast of uh, New Zealand. But this is nothing compared to the volcanic eruptions that have occurred in the past. And I was reading a very interesting article by uh, a Dr. Oscarson, uh, Berger Oscarson, and uh, he earned his doctorate in uh, volcanology from the University of Iceland. And um, his uh, article was entitled The Colossal Nature of Past Volcanic Activity 
on earth. And um, essentially his um, article points to you know, evidence of powerful evidence of a catastrophic past on the surface of the earth, um, unlike anything that we've ever seen. And so just reading from his article, which is one of the articles published in this uh, book, Design and Catastrophe, 51 Scientists Explore Evidence in Nature. Um, and of course, these are a, a number of articles on the overwhelming evidence for the Earth's catastrophic past and the evidence for Noah's flood, uh, for the global flood. And also, these scientists are pointing out in the, this overwhelming evidence, not only for intelligent design, but if there was a catastrophic past, then our dating methods that have been largely based on uniformitarianism, in other words, slow, gradual processes over the earth for millions of years, are quite obviously wrong. And therefore, the, the dating methods that uh, supposedly corroborate these old ages are obviously wrong as well, as I've talked about in other, to- in other talks previously. But he writes, the evidence of volcanic activity um, is seen at various levels in the geologic column. Now, one of the important aspects of this is that, again, the geologic column is spread over, you know, hundreds of millions of years. But this volcanic activity, um, again, suggests that all these processes occurred over a very short period of time. And I'll talk a little bit more about other evidence for that too in a moment. But um, there are lava flows from explosive eruptions um, and huge um, volcanic activity that has emerged in the past. And um, there's been um, these... Lava flows in some places have been so huge that they are just, you know, well, I guess we don't realise how how big they have been. And what they are called, they have a, a special name, which are called large igneous provinces. And these are massive areas of uh, where we've got voluminous amounts of, of lava that have spread out over the surface of the earth. And so these um, large igneous igneous provinces, and of course igneous rocks are volcanic rocks, rocks that have come out from molten earth's core uh, or underground. Um, And he points out these found throughout the entire geologic record. They've uh, been high in the Precambrian in a full number of areas, but they can be also found in the Paleozoic area uh, time frame, in the Mesoic rock record, um, and um, and even in the Cenozoic rock record. So this uh, uh, stratigraphic distribution is right through. And... um, one of the things is that this volcan- volcanism, these represent eruptions on a much, much, much larger scale than any modern activity. 
And matter of fact, uh, scientifically, this volcanism is conventionally termed flood basalt volcanism because it has the appearance of giant flooding events. Lava flows actually covered hundreds of thousands of square kilometres with volumes in the thousands of cubic kilometres. Now, I'm not talking about cubic metres. I'm talking about cubic kilometres. So if you've got a a lava flow with a volume of thousands of cubic kilometres, in terms of uh, modern activity, we have lava flows in the order of tens of square kilometres with volumes generally less than 10 cubic kilometres. So we can see there's a huge difference there from a lava volume of thousands of cubic kilometres in the past to the ones we observe today in the order of 10. So that's hundreds of times larger, hundreds of times. And um, there's a basalt group in the northwestern the United States uh, that includes lava fields of an estimated 40,000 square kilometres with volumes in excess of 2,000 cubic kilometres. Now, one of the largest um, eruptions in modern time the uh, Lucky eruption in Iceland in 1783 to 1784 formed a lava field of just 600 square kilometres and a volume of 15 cubic kilometres. So we can see there, in the past, these lava flows were 2,000 cubic kilometres. One of the largest ones in modern times, 15 cubic kilometres. And so these... Um, uh, flows are, are just huge. The other thing is too, the amount of lava that has uh, occurred has, has occurred at massive rates of flow. For example, they've calculated that for some of these flood basalts, um, the flow rate has been in the order of 10,000 to 10 million cubic metres per second. Now, for comparison, the Amazon River has an average flow rate of about 200,000 cubic metres per second. And so lava flows in the past have been in the order of 50 times the flow rate of the Amazon River. And this is, this is just huge, um, these flows that occurred. And again, modern lava flows are in the order of 10 to maybe 1,000 cubic metres per second, 10 cubic metres to 1,000 cubic metres per second. So much, much smaller rates. And so here we can see that um, the colossal nature of volcanism in the past is... um, you know, very different to what we observe today. And it fits in and it paints this model of this catastrophic past on the surface of the earth. Now, the other thing that fits in with this is the mega Brexius. Now, uh, Brexia are sort of really 
uh, there's sedimentary deposits in which the rock itself is very angular. So the rock itself is is not rounded. It, it so much as a result of tumbling. It's it's very angular, and also um, megabrexias. They have to the rock pieces have to be bigger than one metre in diameter. So they're a minimum of about three tonnes in weight. And the interesting thing is that these megabrexias, these these sedimentary deposits with these angular deposits of these really large pieces of rock um, occur over the world. And it's interesting that... um, Another, Dr. Art Chadwick, talks about this that, and he points out that there are many geologic phenomena of the past that do not appear to be adequately accounted for in terms of the processes now occurring on the Earth's surface. In some cases, it's difficult to conceive of any mechanism capable of explaining them other than through the agency such as a global deluge described in Genesis. And among these problems, problem areas in geology, the explanation of the origin, transportation and deposition of megabrezias deserve a prominent place. And so, again, this is another chapter in this book, Design and a Catastrophe, 51 Scientists Explore Evidence in Nature, published by Andrews University Press. And Dr Chadrick goes through um, the and describes some of these massive mega brezias that uh, occur. So these are massive um, sedimentary deposits so that occur again. So when we look at the geologic column, we've got these all these layers and in these layers you've got these massive volcanic, Uh, deposits that occurred, these massive lava flows are absolutely huge and that uh, represented massive flows. And at the same time, we've got water flows that move these massive chunks of rock over huge distances. For example, in Peru, a rock formation covering an area of about 80,000 square kilometres. And we're not talking about square metres. We're talking 80,000 square kilometres contains locally derived blocks of Cretaceous limestone up to one kilometre by several kilometres and up to half a kilometre thick. And um, it's um, in southern Iran, there are slabs of an exotic rock over a kilometre in size found in Miocene mudstones, apparently derived from a source many kilometres distance. Um, in the Apennines in central Italy, bodies of transported sediment exceeding 400 metres in thickness and covering hundreds of square kilometres of area extent are known. And so, um, again, uh, there's a, in the Jurassic limestones, um, in the uh, Cretaceous uh, uh, radiolarites in Arabia, Uh, Some of the largest blocks cover an area of 1,600 square kilometres and are up to a kilometre thick. And so we've got um, 
these amazing movements of these angular rocks uh, that are just very difficult to explain how these structures could have formed using some sort of slow, um, you know, systematic process over a long period of time. It's interesting as they're doing more um, studies, particularly in oceanography and subsurface imaging, um, there's evidence of, again, similar phenomena occurring on a smaller scale underwater in oceans at the, at the present time. But, as uh, Dr Chadwick points out, very little is still known about specific transport mechanisms and triggering forces responsible for the um, origination and accumulation of these megabrezia deposits. It's, um, and he goes on to say it is difficult to imagine forces operative under uniformitarian constraints that would have produced class of the size we find in megabrezia deposits. And he concludes, um, the presence of various kinds of megabrezia in the geologic record showing the rapid transport of extremely large class over gently dipping or flat surface substrates for many kilometres indicates energy levels on a scale that stagger our imagination. Their common occurrence indicates significant catastrophic activity in the past, not readily explained in terms of contemporary processes, but consistent with an extended catastrophic period such as the one described in Genesis. So here we have, you know, I wasn't aware of these these massive deposits. I mean, I uh, did geology at university for a year, um, and uh, I remember getting a distinction in stratigraphy. But when I read about these now, we see just, again, accumulating evidence for the the biblical account. Um, there's so much um, evidence there. Another one uh, that comes out um, that supports the flood are uh, turbidity currents um, and the evidence of, again, very rapid uh, movement uh, of um, uh, the lateral transport of fine sediments, uh, mud and, and so forth. Um, and the and the graded uh, beds, and they can work out the speeds, of course, from the angles of of some of the beds. Um, the uh, another um, uh, scientist points out the widespread occurrence of persistent sedimentary layers right across the world. Um, the the massive widespread deposition of uh, fossiliferous uh, Cretaceous limestones. Um, he gives the example um, of uh, lime, the limestones that spread across uh, uniform uh, across Europe, forming the spectacular cliff south of uh, Marseille and uh, the Jura Mountains east of France and west of Switzerland, um, the, the Carpathian Mountains and the Balkan Mountains, the Crimean Peninsula, uh, and so forth. Um, right down to uh, the similar layers in southern Morocco, southern Tunisia, um, and similar layers uh, in Mexico. Um, 
And so um, there's, there's so much evidence again. Um, another scientist, uh, Dr. Elaine Kennedy, points out, uh, has a chapter in this book, uh, The Widespread Deposits, Evidence Consistent with the Biblical Flood. You know, the, um, I think uh, one of the important areas too is an article, another chapter in this uh, uh, book, Design and Catastrophe, uh, published by Andrews University, is by uh, Dr. Ariel Roth. Um, he's done a lot of studies in this area and his chapter's entitled Flat Gaps in the Rock Layers Challenge the Long Geologic Ages. And... Um, he presents very, very uh, strong arguments challenging these long ages. Um, it's, a, it's a very interesting book, but I think one of the things that stands out to me is when we read the Bible account and how it talks about the fountains of the great deep bursting forth and the volcanic activity and plus the rain and the water and all the amount of heat that would have been released then, the rapid burial, the rapid destruction of life, extinction, was a major rapid event at that particular time. It, it just fits so well. The layers laid down in so many of these sedimentary layers because they don't show any forms of erosion, any significant forms of erosion, had to be laid down straight on top of one another virtually, not over millions of years. It all fits the biblical picture, the biblical picture of a flood which was a judgment on the earth at that time. And, of course, the Bible talks about, well, this world is going to end there and God is going to put an end to evil. And that's why it's so important that we all come to know and understand that the, all, that Jesus, the life of Jesus, also fits the prophecies in the Bible, that Jesus was God. And the miracles he performed that were you know, witnessed by so many people and recorded miracles of, of healing and the resurrection, and plus the evidence for Jesus' resurrection as well, as powerful evidence that Jesus really was God. And this gives us hope, and this is very important hope that we need to tell people about at this time, the Bible can believe it fits. It fits the scientific evidence that we have in our world around us at the present time. You've been listening to Faith and Science. I'm Dr. John Ashton. And remember, if you want to re-listen to these uh, programs, just Google 3ABN Australia, or one word, .org.au, and click on the Listen button. And remember, too, to tell other people, your friends, about these programs. Um, put, no, you know, put links up on Facebook pages. Let people know it's so important at this time that people know that there's a vast amount of knowledge and scientific information that supports the evidence for the existence of God. And remember, there are other programs too, uh, such as uh, Evolution Impossible on television, and um, Science Conversations, other programs that you can listen to on 3ABN radio and on podcasts. I'm Dr John Ashton. Have a great day.
You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.